This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The following is a Red Apple Podcast Network presentation. They say this is a big, rich town. I just come from the poet's part. Bright light, city life, I gotta make it. Welcome to Dominic Carter's podcast. This is Dominic Carter's City Hall. Now, here's Dominic Carter. Dominic Carter, Red Apple Podcast, Talk Radio 77 WABC. You can listen to me on the radio Monday through Friday, midnight to 1 a.m., midnight to 1 a.m. Take a listen. I promise you'll like the show. In this episode, an off-Broadway play is greatly resonating, and especially when you consider the war in Ukraine. Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish is resonating. And with us right now is Zalman Malatek, who is the artistic director at the National Yiddish Theater, Folksbina. And you are also the musical director of Fiddler on the Roof, correct? I am. Thanks, Dominic. It's great to well, be here. Well, thank you. You are a very talented man. I spent some time watching some of your performances. So tell me, why is it Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish is resonating so deeply right now, given the war in Ukraine? First of all, I want to just tell your listeners that while the play is in Yiddish, we have English and Russian supertitles running simultaneously on the side. So if you don't know the plot, uh, the story of Fiddler on the Roof, you can follow it along. Why is it so special? Fiddler on the Roof was, of course, based on stories that were written in Yiddish by the Ukrainian Jewish writer Sholem Aleichem. And he wrote about this fictional town, Anatevka. And here we are in 2022, thinking and looking at what happened in Anatevka at the turn in the early 1900s, which were, you know, pogroms and violent assaults, you know, against the Jews of the time, causing the Jews to leave Russia at the time, which is so sadly so resonant today when Ukraine itself is the target of the war going on now with Russia. The Yiddish, you know, resonates because this is the language that these people would have spoken. But at the same time, where you're going to understand everything, people who know Fiddler will, you know, basically stop looking at the titles because they want to see the incredible acting. We have an incredible cast on stage. Well, you just mentioned this, and it troubles me deeply that we are seeing an unfortunate rise in anti-Semitism. The recent arrest, for example, of two-minute Penn Station based yeah. on a developing threat to the Jewish community. How does Fiddler shine a light on the impact in 2022 of anti-Semitism? You know, it's so important now to highlight stories that depict anti-Semitism. You know, this, unfortunately, we're seeing it today, as you mentioned it, as recently as just a few days ago. 
when we see the effects of what racism and bigotry and anti-Semitism has done in history, and we know the history of what happened to the Jewish people in Ukraine, in Russia. We know, of course, what happened to them all over Eastern Europe, you know, through Nazi Germany. And here we are today in 2022, hearing the same lies and the same vile comments about Jews today. How important it is for us to shine a light on this and see it for what it is, as racism, as anti-humanism, and we purposely, you know, have a whole educational initiative where we're bringing students in. We'll we'll be bringing in over a thousand students, Jewish and non-Jewish, to look at this play and to experience this play and experience the horrors of what anti-Semitism can do to a family and to a people, to a community. The off-Broadway play is running through the end of the year, but throughout your life, you have been dedicated to bringing Yiddish theater to a wider audience. How did you first get involved, and why has this been so important to you? My parents were both involved. My father was a Yiddish writer. He survived the war. He left Poland in 39. He spent the war years in Shanghai and lost his whole family. And my mother was born here. They met here through Yiddish. Yiddish was there, the language that they met with and they spoke and they fell in love with each other through Yiddish songs. And my mother was a pianist and I grew up in a home where they collected these songs. So my mother was called the Sherlock Holmes of Yiddish song because she had an encyclopedic memory and she could identify thousands of songs in their provenance and where wow. they were. Wow. For me, for me, this resonated because this told the story of our people. You know, we saw the stories, we saw what was in their hearts, people talking about love, talking about work, talking about conflict. And we had a firsthand testimony from the lyrics of these songs. And I do feel that by bringing these songs to light and by bringing these stories to light, we see a picture of what that life was. And we learn from history, you know, History repeats itself, unfortunately, and we have to learn from history. We are chatting right now with Zalman Malatek, who is the artistic director at National Yiddish Theater. Folks, Bina, specifically, you're the musical director of Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you the address of the theater to name the theater that the play, the off-Broadway play, is going to run yeah. through the end of the year. You know, Fiddler on the Roof is probably one of the best, you know, loved musicals of all time. We're playing in Yiddish with English supertitles at New World Stages on 50th Street, right in the heart of Broadway. So, and we're playing until January 1st. We play every night except Friday night and Tuesday nights, but we have matinees and we have student groups coming and we have, you know, four more weeks until January 1st. Which is wonderful. It is wonderful. In recent years, interest in learning Yiddish has surged. Why do you think this is taking place? I think people are so interested in who they were, who they come from, their grandparents, their great-grandparents. What was the language they spoke? What were their customs? What was their life like? When we think about, 
you know, it happened in the 70s with the African-American community with Roots, you know, when Roots was such an important part of the resurgence of people being proud of their heritage. And Jewish people also, Jewish people also, you know, this idea of knowing this language. When the immigrants first came to America from Russia at the turn of the last century, Yiddish was the language that they didn't want to speak. They wanted to learn English as soon as possible. But that generation, you know, that was the first generation to assimilate. Now, several generations later, the grandchildren of those first immigrants are now really hungry to learn this language and know the music and know the literature and know the poetry. Well, um, many of us, many of us grew up and saw Fiddler on the Roof, either on stage or on the big screen. But mm-hmm. performing it in Yiddish brings this to a new level. Why was this so important for you to do? It was so important because we wanted it, people to hear that original language. We wanted people to hear the idioms from which the geniuses who created Fiddler on the Roof. Joe Stein and Sheldon Harnick and Jerry Bach and Jerome Robbins in 64, they looked at the early Shal- at the Shalom Aleichem stories, and they were inspired by those. They read them in English, of course. We wanted the people to hear the original text. An interesting anecdote, you know, the very famous song, If I Were a Rich Man, right? The original was based on a story that Shalom Aleichem called If I Were a Rothschild. Now, the Rothschilds were the big you know, Jewish financiers, the richest conceivably Jews in that period of time. So this was what, you know, a dairyman named Tevye was dreaming about, of what it would be like to be the richest man, a rich man, if I were a Rothschild. So we sing, if I were a Rothschild, in the Yiddish. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it... <clears throat> A real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Well, here's one of the big questions for you. How much Yiddish did the cast know beforehand, and how did they learn this so quickly? Well, the cast knew very little Yiddish. When we announced that Joel Gray, the Oscar Tony winner director, would be directing our production, we had over 2,500 inquiries from actors all over the world. We auditioned 700, and they had to, of course, act, sing, and dance, but they also had to be able to mimic the Yiddish, because they didn't speak Yiddish. So we gave them a test. We gave them a sentence. And if they could do the sentence, we would bring them back for a second time and a third time. And we would be very careful to pick people who we felt could learn the Yiddish to be able to transmit it and understand it comfortably in the three to four weeks of rehearsal time. That's all we had, three to four weeks. So I call these 20 we have on our stage you know, wunderkinder, you know, wonder kids, you know, geniuses that they've been able to, you know, perform and memorize and learn and integrate the Yiddish into their soul so they can speak it and convince the audience that they're speaking their natural, this language as a natural language. It's quite amazing to see. 
Before I move on, you mentioned Joe Gray. I believe he won the Tony and Oscar, or he's an award winner for Cabaret. Is that correct? Correct, right. He starred as the MC in Cabaret. He won the Tony and he won the Oscar for that. And what has that experience been like working with him? Joel has been amazing. You know, he immediately, when I called him back in 2017 to see if he was interested, I asked him first if he would be interested to play Tevya or direct because I had gotten recommendation from the original producers and writers, Hal Prince and Sheldon Harnick, about asking Joel to direct it. Joel had seen the production, Hal Prince directed Cabaret, so he was a good friend of Joel's, and he so Joel had seen the production of Fiddler even before it opened on Broadway. Joel answered me right away, and he said, I think, you know, my days to play Tevya are over, but I'm very interested in directing it, but I don't know any Yiddish. I said, it's not a problem. We have people who will teach the Yiddish. And that leads me to the next point. I have my colleague, Muckle Didner, who is my associate, really prepared all of these actors in how to accurately pronounce the Yiddish. And he prepared tapes for them and they listened and, you know, guided scripts for them to really listen. And to this very day, we give notes all the time because they're not speaking it naturally out of the performance time. They forget little things, little things, you know, so we're correcting them all the time, but they're eager to make it real and to make it authentic sounding. So you have mentioned that there are English and Russian subtitles shown during the performances. But how have the audiences responded? Any worries about the language barrier with the show for people who don't know Yiddish? You know, people who don't know Yiddish, I say to them, watch the movie first if you need to, really, if you want to remind yourself about it. But the experience of seeing this in the original language with the supertitles going on both sides, you always will know what's going on. It's a seamless experience. I know people who have said to me, you know, I've stopped looking at the supertitles, even though I don't understand Yiddish because I know what they're saying because I know the scenes, I know the songs, I know parts of the story. But of course, for those who don't, they have the guides on the side. It works beautifully. Is the end of the show optimistic in any way or simply heartbreaking? It's a heartbreaking end, you know, but at the end, you know, at the very final moment when Tevya and Golda and his daughter and their daughters are leaving, at the very final moment, the fiddler who is on the stage plays that famous tune and Tevya motions to the fiddler, come with us. And the fiddler comes with them. And that sort of symbolizes that idea that, you know, that wherever Tevya and his family and the Jews of Ukraine or Russia at the time will go, will go at that time, they're bringing their tradition with them, that Yiddish sound, that Jewish culture, their culture with them. So there is that kind of optimistic, positive moment in the tragic reality of them being evicted from their homes. The play is Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish. And what does the future hold as I'm wrapping up here? What else is in store for the National Yiddish Theater folks, Bina? We're looking at a lot of very interesting new projects. We're looking at projects that was sung 
and created in the camps, in the DP camps, in the concentration, in the ghettos, created by young people. And we're hearing the young people, the people in their 20s, what they were feeling in the 1930s and the 40s. What were they experiencing in the woods before they went, you know, before they escaped their homes? How did they survive? And through this music and through their stories, we're given a sense of, of a picture of how, what heroes and heroines these people were. So that's one piece that we're looking at. And we're looking at a children's piece, an introduction to Yiddish, you know, using snippets, you know, kind of based on how Sesame Street was created, you know, you know, little segments giving sort of a piece of giving a, a kind of an overview of what the Yiddish experiences for non-Yiddish speakers, of course, for young families and their kids to get a sense of what this language is. We're looking at that and many other interesting projects. I close this way. Where can our listeners go to learn more about you and the National Yiddish Theater folks, Bina? Thank you, Dominic. Our website is nytf.org, National Yiddish Theater Folks, Bina, F. So it's nytf.org slash Fiddler if they want to buy tickets for the show or if they want to just learn about our history and what we're doing. It's nytf.org. Well, all I can say, Mr. Malatek, is that, Mr. Zalman Malatek, you are a very talented individual, and I wish you luck in the future. I have a funny feeling that anything you're involved with as it relates to the theater is going to be very, very successful. Thank you so much. We hope to see your listeners at the theater at the New World Stages. We'll play until January 1st. Thank you so much for the opportunity to tell your listeners about this. And thank you. Thank you so much. And that brings this episode to a close. I want to thank you folks for joining us. If you are interested in my book on my life growing up in New York City and overcoming numerous obstacles where I'm still standing, the book is titled No Mama's Boy, and it will be personally signed for you by me or my bobblehead. You can go to my website, DominicCarterOnline.com, or one word, DominicCarterOnline.com. You can catch me on 77 WABC, weeknights, midnight to 1 a.m., midnight to 1 a.m. Go check out the Dominic Carter merchandise at the 77 WABC store from Dominic Carter t-shirts to hats and much more. Go to WABCRadioStore.com, Dominic Carter, Red Apple Podcast. 77 WABC. Dominic Carter Socials on Twitter at Dominic TV and Facebook and Instagram. Dominic Carter TV. Email at Dominic.Carter at WABCRadio.com. Until the next episode, be well. And as Dominic always says, stay positive. The glass is always half full, never half empty. Dominic Carter City Hall.